Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Episode 69, Season 3 of the Daily Intermission Podcast. I'm on the road. I'm in a hotel room right now. We got Justin and Thunder Bay. Justin, what is going on? We've had massive news that it's sports world's buzzing it feels like it's been a year since we chatted what's going on yeah it definitely does i mean the sports world is uh obviously we're getting into finals of some things but obviously some big news coming around too it's just you're getting a little bit from everywhere right now and some big things from some places but we'll get into it but um yeah again just weather's unreal golfing fishing working and just great sports so it's it's just a fun time you've been on the road fill us in with uh this guy's uh this guy's uh road trip going on yeah it's been a it's been a big roadie um i started off last wednesday so i guess a week almost a week ago and uh i traveled down to southern maine i was visiting my uncle uh, shout out to peter he listens to the pod um and uh and got to spend some time at old orchard beach um which is a just a fantastic area in maine uh, it's a beautiful beach it's just it's such a hub um it's it feels like california and i know people are gonna laugh at me for saying that but it's just it's so the beach really? is so the beaches are so nice um yeah you get the bikinis the volleyball <laughs> the bars on the beach it's just it's just a tremendous spot and dude i teed it up at a donald ross course and i put on an absolute clinic i hate pumping my own tires <laughs> but justin let me tell you about this round yeah you had an insane back nine right you put you were putting it up there so, so I get there and, and I've played this course a lot. Like I've, it's like yeah. my second home course. Like I've played it a lot. It's a very tough track. The golf, the, it, it's not very long, but the golf greens, if, if people are familiar with Donald Ross, he's a very famous designer. I mean, Oak Hill, where they played the PGA championships, that's Donald Ross. There you so go. like the green complexes are just insane. Like it's just, it's an incredible track. So, so people who know me know I like to have a beer before my round. So I'm drinking my beer before the round, and I have a couple during the round. It really loosens me up. It dials me in. And, I, and for people who haven't tried it, I'd recommend it. It loosens you up. So, so I get out there, and I'm on fire. I'm I'm light. I'm putting it. I'm hitting green every green in regulation. I'm putting it between 10 and 15 feet, and I can't hit a putt. Oh, nice. I can't oh. hit a putt. And so like these guys that I'm playing with, they're like, man, this guy's this guy's locked in. And I'm like, I'm I'm playing today. Like I I, I got a score coming. But I can't make a pot, man. So I make the t- I, I'm, no. I'm one over through eight holes, and I'm just shaking my head. I'm like, I could be three under right now. And I go on the ninth hole. It's a really long par four, and I blow it over the green. Can't get up and down. Make double bogey on the ninth hole. No, I'm plus no. three. And, I, and I've just hit the ball, Justin, like the best of ever in my life. I'm like, this is just ridiculous. Oh, my God. So fast forward to the back nine, and uh, there's, a, there's another short par four, the, the, the 15th hole. And, or, uh, yeah, I guess the 15th and, and, um, I, uh, I, I just, I, no, I guess the 14th and I, and I make a terrible bogey and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm ready Come to leave now. the golf course. Yeah. Get, get to the 15th, chuck a dart, tap it in for birdie. Now, now the juices are flowing. I finally made a putt. 
I get to the 16th. I drive it in the woods. I chip in from the woods for Eagle. Okay. Boom. 302 oh holes. We get wow. to us. We get to the part five 17th. I, I put it in close on a, like I just, just missed the green and two chipped it up close, missed the pot on the 18th coming in at right now. I'm two over, you know, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a bit better about my day. And I roll in about a 50 footer for birdie on 18 to go four under Come on the last on. Come 70. on. Yeah, man. It was, it was just one of those days. And it's just such a funny game like that. Like I'm pure in it for the first 15 holes. Didn't get anything. And then just absolutely come into the house on fire. It was unbelievable. I was walking around the clubhouse like I was roaring after. <laughs> it was incredible. That's actually insane. Unbelievable. Yeah. And just for the maybe the listeners that aren't ma- major golf fans, the Chuck a Dart is not that's a tight shot. He's not smoke, he's not full John Daly yes. smoking no, cigarettes no. and drinking a beer and turn the ra- round around. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. That's unreal. What like like I said, hey, you throw he throw Greg throws it up there on the socials over under on the card. I You've been under every time lately. I, I say, hey, I'm going over this time. Next thing I see <laughs> is that finish you had, and you just stuck it to me and the people that voted it. It was a, it, yeah, it was an impressive card to say the least. To to look at that that finish. Yeah, I don't know what I, I think. I got a game coming up this week, Justin, a TPC Osprey Toronto. That could be an over under like nice. it could be like an over under <laughs> like 82, 83. Like we're like we'll tip it out. With a good friend of mine, but but then I made it up to much uh, made it up to Quebec, crossed the border, but another four hour drive, and now I'm in Montreal, going to be nice, heading man. into Toronto uh, uh, in the next couple of days. So the trip's been fantastic. But what's going on in your world, man? How you been? No, that's sick. Yeah, we've been great, man. We so we're in the midst um one of the hottest summers I have remembered in, in a while. Like we've been, I've been saying it to you for a little while now, but it's like hitting a point. It's it's hot every single day sun shining um like i said i've been playing golf working and stuff we started skating for hockey uh we got a little three-on-three uh a session we do monday nights with, with the college guys here so that's a lot of fun but getting the fishing f- first fishing trip was last weekend uh just about hour hour and a half outside of town here so nothing major didn't have a great i didn't catch anything we only caught like three it was a quick one just in the morning uh we yeah. went back by noon anyways but um we're going out again uh this saturday that's a fun one we got uh five of us there we split into two sides, kind of keep see uh what the count is, a little fishing competition. Just enjoying the fellas though at the end of the day on real weather. So um just been enjoying like I said, just been enjoying the weather because it, it's been an incredible, incredible heat wave we've had. So kind of just uh taking it all in here for me. So are we talking like 30s, 30s every day? Well, yeah, so we've been um you we've been like Fahrenheit. I no, I'm in Celsius. Luckily, I'm in Celsius. We've been 20, 25 to to like twenty eight every day. Oh. So it's that hot in the sun, um, but it's it's not that like bad thirty. Like you get up there where it's like uncomfortable. That's the thing. So like, that's like eighties yeah. for the American listeners. That's like in yes, the 80s. yes. It's like the eighties with sunshine and no humidity. So it's yeah. it's actually just been Money. like perfect right now. Uh, got in the lake for a swim and stuff like that. So like, and the biggest thing is in the mornings, like we're sitting at. 15 to 18 in the morning so it's just like nice and comfy right from the second the day starts which is awesome but yeah that's it for me just been kind of enjoying things so laying low which is nice i love it man well it's been well we got to get into this it has been maybe the most monumental day in the history of golf we'll get into quarter one here it's episode 69 season three of the daily innovation podcast justin paul greg brown so I was in a group chat this morning and somebody mentioned that the PGA tour and live tour and throw in the DP world tour are merging. 
Yep. And I was like, what? Excuse me? Like, that's not happening. <laughs> yep. This is the most coward, most... I, I don't even know how to explain what Jay Monahan has done here. You can you can look through the past year of his press conferences, him talking about the 9-11 victims, families, and and and, and the moral... The moral victory of staying on the PGA Tour because of where the money's coming from on the Live Tour is to now get into bed with them and to merge yeah. with them. It's yeah. hypocrisy at, at its highest degree. I cannot believe this is happening. It's 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 an understatement uh, to say the least, and and how just unbelievable how um, one eighty of a turn they took. I mean, money talks. Let's 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 first of all, let's call a spade a spade. Money absolute talks here for Jay Monahan and the PGA Tour. This is a situation where you can look at some different factors that pushed them into this. I want to say Kepka winning. I think that was a factor for sure, winning the major there. I think that plays a, an element. I want to ask you this too. We've seen Benzema, Ronaldo, Messi. They go to go to the Saudi League in soccer. I'm starting to think here that Jay Monahan maybe didn't see a path for a ceiling or, or maybe – the growth that the PGA wanted to have. And then all of a sudden the Saudis are just coming to them with money and bags of money. I'm sure. And Monaghan just said, you know what? I'm going to have to try to take this on the chin, which I, he expected this, but in terms of sports world, this is one every, I don't even know how long of, of a day and, and just a mob of fans everywhere calling him out for what it is. And it's an absolute one at turn. And he absolutely buried some of his best people and best faces in terms of the players at the tour. It, it, it's 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 unbelievable. I mean, here I'm gonna go through the numbers. I'm turning to you here. Yep. These are the, so for, for people that maybe don't have a full grasp on what's going on. Maybe they're not full golf listeners. About a year ago, correct me if I'm wrong at any point. About a yep. year ago, just over exactly a year ago. A year ago. Uh, 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 the Saudi investment fund, as they as they term it starts the live golf league and it's going to be extract extracting players from the PGA tour. And they paid these guys hundreds of millions of dollars to come. Some top names, Brooke Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson. And these players took so much heat and so much hate for leaving because of what the Saudi regime stands for and what they've done. And they PGA had Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, uh, Zalatoris, uh, Matsuyama, Homa. These guys stay firm because they trashed the decision made and, and the whole sport side. Tiger Woods said no to $800 million plus. Almost a billion. It could have been. We don't know the exact amount. Zalatoris, not a perennial winner by any means. Not a money-loaded guy from the tour at any means. $150 million plus. Matsuama, $400 million plus. Um, and Roy McIlroy, easily over $500 million. And now these live players who accepted that money went on the live tour. Came back to play in majors. Kepka won a major still. Is now being possibly told. I mean, it's almost certain here we're looking at. With the merger, it is. In some sort of fashion, they are now just going to be a collective tour again. And they're, these guys that were the face and, and stood up for Monaghan all this. Just basically, basically picked the wrong side and gave up uh, generational wealth to say the least. Yeah, it's it's that's going to be... You know, first and foremost, how do you compensate the guys that stayed loyal to the PGA Tour? It's it's got to be the number. Well, yes, they have to. You can't you can't not compensate guys like Rory and Hideki Matsuyama. They knew 
I mean, he was offered almost $400 million. They knew that with Hideki comes the market of Japan, who loves sports. The entire country will follow. So, you know what this comes down to, Justin? And obviously, we don't, we're don't we not privy to much information. Nobody is. Not a lot has come out yeah. about this deal, what yeah. it's going to look like. But the PGA Tour has 17 elevated events this year. They're paying their winners over $4 million for these 17 elevated events. You know what I think? I think the PGA Tour is hurting. I don't think they had the money. Yeah. I think they were looking and going. They yeah. were over, they were looking at the model and going, we we can't sustain this. We can't we can't compete with this. And Jay Monahan sat down with 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 the with the Saudis and said, we need you guys. They have unlimited yeah. resources, and they needed the money. And 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 it and it contradicts everything that he said for the past year. But money talks, and they need they couldn't up they couldn't compete with the live money, and they needed. But I it. Want, and I agree, and I think this is the almost a nail in the coffin. I want, I don't want to say that this was a turning point. We don't know this information, but Brooks Kepka winning the major validated the live tour to me. I think that like, I, I don't think it's crazy to think that him winning the, the, the PJ championship absolutely moved a little bit of, uh, probably a good chunk of fans to say, Oh, the lifter is as much of a joke as we thought. And not only that for Monaghan to probably be watching the majors and saying, Oh my God, Phil Mickelson is getting cheered for Kepka's got his fans too. Like, starting to kind of, I wonder, think that like maybe this whole Saudi uh, um, reputation and image that we tried to enforce as well, they definitely were, isn't staying with these fans as much as we thought. And it's kind of blown over to a degree. And I bring up soccer. And the reason I bring up soccer, because I do think it's a little bit important, is Monaghan saying to himself, we took the wrong stance by trashing the Saudi regime and being so anti Saudi that. We could have been like these soccer guys and all these other sports that are cashing in on the Saudis. And he wishes he could just turn back the clock. And now he is and basically saying, hey, we're like every other sport here. They're going to be a part of it and they have all this money. We're going to take it. But it's not it's not going to work that way because all the footage that is now out there today. If you go on Twitter, just search up uh, PGA, Live Monaghan, whatever you want. You will see how many times Monaghan adamantly said he was sitting there with Jim Nance and he brought up the, the 9-11 and everything and just went after basically anyone who, who had anything positive to say, let alone join like they did this the, the Live Tour. Yeah, well, the one thing I hope for is that the Live model is is not going to work. I know that for sure. The the three-day shotgun starts, yeah, reduced 40, that's not compelling. That's not going to work. That's not... How golf yeah, works. That's like saying we're going to change hockey to two periods and three on yeah. three. It's just no, not. It's just not how it's going to work. You have to stay traditional with the four day tournament cuts. But we have no idea what this is going to look like. We have no information. We have no idea. But these elevated events are going to be played for a lot more money, and yeah, the Saudis are willing to just. They're just. They've got the deepest pockets in the world in sports. We're seeing it all over. You bring up Messi and Ronaldo. They don't just go grab the two biggest athletes in the world, yeah. bring them over to their country if they don't have money. These guys have money and they're willing to spend it on the game of golf. And I think at the end, it's going to be good. I, I, I'm happy just due to the fact that we are going to have all of the best players in the world back in, in, in single tournaments. Yeah. But what this, we, this is just the beginning. We have no idea what this is going to look yeah, like. We, we got two things. So first I'm hearing that the team format is, is not only still in play, but something that it, it sounds like the live doesn't just want to go swept under the rug. And we're all just back to PGA with live being an investor. I'm hearing that there's serious considerations for the team team element still. What what do you think? I, I don't know that I hate that I hate idea. It. 
I think there's still, I think there's still, uh, I, I got to say. Golf's not a team game. I know, and there's still resentment Kep, a little Brooks bit because Liv started Brooks Kepka's name goes on the Wanamaker Trophy as Brooks Kepka. And, and I don't disagree with that. And why can't that still be true? Same with FedEx could still be true because FedEx is like a whole season thing. What if the team thing was purely I, – I don't want the team celebrating with Kepka when he wins the PGA Championship. I'm not saying that. I don't want yeah. six guys getting green jackets at the Masters. But at the very end of the season, if the last tournament, say, is something that's uh, a different point set up where it's going to decide the team race, I, I can't say that I'm going to hate that element where – they get points throughout the entire season in different tournaments, and they're all individual. But at the end of the year, yeah, one team maybe gathered more points than the other. I don't know how that all work, but I can't say that I don't hate a little more of a wrinkle in the golf world like that. Yeah, it, it's hard for me to get. I just, I, I just can't wrap my head around it. I'm just such a traditionalist, and I've been such a diehard golf fan that it's hard Fair. for me to wrap my head around yep. how the, you know, what that will look like, and and how they'll be able to implement that, but. Yeah, I mean, if you want to pair four guys or six guys or whatever and, and have them on a team and, 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 you know, their results kind of accumulate points to a season-long race, and, and if you can get sponsorship money, have teams sponsored and things of that nature. But I, I just – I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. I, I would assume – what it sounds like is the PGA Tour has been invested in, that the, the Saudis have, have purchased a, a massive stake in the PGA Tour. Um, what's interesting, too, is that they're a non-for-profit – uh, organization. But another thing too is worth bringing up, uh, Justin, is that these two were in a class action lawsuit yeah. and, and we were about to be privy to information. That I don't think the PGA tour was too happy about, too fond about, but they were going to open up their books. They were yeah. going to show where some of this money has been going. And I don't think that Jay Monahan wanted that at all. Uh, so, I mean, there's just, if there's so many moving parts, this is just such groundbreaking news today. I, yeah. I just, I don't know where, I don't know where we're headed, but obviously I, it's, I'm going to throw something out there. I don't know if this is true. I just want to get your t- uh, take on it, whether you, you know anything or not. You say open up the books and you say where the money's going to, where's the money coming from? Is there not a couple tours that they go to some interesting places that may be paying a handsome sum to get one tournament and it still might be a large part of their money gathering for the year. Even if it's only one tournament, pretty sure they go to China and Dubai or they have in the past. They do. Yeah. So no, I don't, sure. I don't know that we could rule out that they were uh, uh, completely I don't think they squeaky wanted, clean in terms of what they get for money. I don't think they wanted their books to be opened up. I don't think that they wanted this lawsuit. And um, you know what? In the end, uh, there's some winners in this. I think Phil Mickelson's a major winner in this. Like this guy, he put his neck on the line and, and the losers, man, the Roy McIlroy's, the Tiger Woods, the Jordan Spieth, the Justin Thomas, these guys who just turned down half a billion dollars. And now they yep. see all these guys who have just made generational wealth. And now they're coming yep. back to the PGA tour with, with no consequences. It's, it's very interesting. It's just the tip of the iceberg, what we're privy to right now, but it's going to be exciting news to break down with the weeks to come. And you have to feel for the Canadian open because last year was the first live event during the Canadian open. <laughs> and now during the Canadian open week, our national tournament, they break this news today. Like what a fuck you to Canada. <laughs> it's true. I mean, we're going to see Rory here. Um, I got asked this. We got asked this question and it came up before. If you're Rory or some of these guys, do you consider retiring? I can't see it because obviously it would look soft and weak. I know I can understand the, the sentiment, but I think the best way to do uh, uh, any revenge or anything you do, not retire, come out and win two or three events and win the next major. 
I think that's what you got to be doing if you're Rory. And he was a big voice against this too. He is due for a little bit of a run here. And he had a great showing last tournament. Let's not forget that. Absolutely. He was right there. He was knocking on the door. We'll mention uh, congrats to Victor Halvin, who has been knocking at the door and outlast Danny McCarthy uh, yep. at uh, Jack's tournament at the Memorial. So congrats to Victor Halvin. I'm sure all of you guys caught that on Sunday. But um, yeah, I mean, this is going to be very noisy. It's going to be very noisy over the next two weeks, kind of hashing out what this is going to look like. Obviously, we have all the players next week at the U.S. Open in Los Angeles. Um, and I'm sure there will be a lot of chatter. All the press conferences that we get for the next two weeks will all be centered around this merger and what it's going to look like. But this isn't going anywhere. But, I mean, it's it's unbelievable news. It's it's the most revolutionary yeah. day in the history of golf. And uh, we'll see. I guess I should mention too, Justin, we'll get out of the live talk because we don't have a ton of information. But those are our initial thoughts. Rose yeah. Zhang. Rose Zhang on the LPGA Tour. She won the Women's Amateur at Augusta National this year. Two weeks ago, at the NCAA Championships from Stanford won. And now she becomes the first ever professional golfer in her first professional start to win her first start. Rose Zhang teed it up at Liberty National in one. Yeah. Stop. Are you, are you unbelievable. Are we seeing the next next domination for a female golf right here? We certainly could. It, it wow. has a lot of Tiger vibes because she's yeah. a Stanford grad. She's a phenomenal player, wondering in a playoff. And to tee it up in your first event and go out yeah. there and win, beat the likes of Nellie Corda and Brooke Henderson and Lydia Coe and, and win in a playoff, and, you know, just on your first ever, you know, event, it's just unbelievable. unbelievable. Rose Jang. Unbelievable. Hey, something to keep an eye on for sure. Wouldn't, wouldn't mind seeing a Tiger Woods-like female uh on the tour just dominating so definitely something to keep an eye on absolutely would be amazing but let's move into the canadian open this week obviously we're at oakdale another stanley thompson course just north of the city of toronto it's going to be exciting i'll have boots on the ground thursday saturday and sunday uh i'll be doing my best to get some content and and just really check out that golf course but uh you know it's it's going to be noisy like we said there's going to be a lot of news surrounding this merger but we do have a golf tournament to play justin yeah, we do. Who do you, I mean, just initial thoughts. I mean, we have to look at our Canadians. There's going to be a lot in the field. I should shout out Miles Creighton, a guy from Digby, Nova Scotia, a very rural area in Nova Scotia. He won last week on the Latin American Tour 19 under, which is a PGA Tour feeder league. He'll be at Let's the go. event. It's going to be exciting. So, I mean, do we think it's a, there's a chance that a guy like Mackenzie Hughes, a guy like Corey Connors who showed out so well, at the PGA Championship, a guy like Adam Hamlin, is it a time for a Canadian to win the PGA or the RBC Canadian Open? I mean, I'm all for it. I mean, that's that's something that, like I said, I was talking about it. Excuse me, uh, uh, last week with Block and stuff. I, I, the best thing for this would be a Canadian in the mix. Like we have some of these guys on, on the American Tour uh, when they're in like California and stuff. You're cheering for for certain guys who are locals at the course. I promise you. Uh, any and any anybody who's not from Canada or anyone who's unsure or hasn't seen maybe uh, a Canadian crowd in their element, if there is a Canadian in the mix on Sunday at this event, Look you out. are going to see a fan base at this golf course who is going to be going absolutely bananas. Like the pride for a Canadian to be winning would be absolutely electric. I don't hate a Hadwin. That's no. like, if I'm picking my Canadian. I'm going to have, I know Connor's been great lately, 
I'm pretty sure Hadwin had a great showing here last time. And the, and he's one that I think could absolutely pull it off here. So that's who I'm leaning to. I'm not saying that's my number one pick for this tournament overall. But for Canadians, it's going to be Connors, Hadwin, and Pendrith for me. Those are the three that I I think have a legitimate chance of winning. Yeah, I think so. I think you hit the, the nail on the head. I mean, we'll throw in Adam Svensson. We've had three players on the PGA yeah. Tour win this season with Corey Connors, Mac Hughes, and Adam Svensson. They've all won on the tour. Uh, it's the first time in the history where three different Canadians have won. So, I mean, it, it's probably been the healthiest place that Canadian golf has been on the PGA Tour. Um, but, I mean, let's get right into it for picks. I mean, I look at the field, and, and it is fairly strong. I mean, we do have a lot of names that a lot of people will be familiar with. Um, the golf course is going to be – it's going to demand a lot of fairways hit. I mean, like Justin yeah. said, Canadian fans are crazy. And if you don't think that we take this seriously it, – it, it, Rory mentioned it last year at the tournament. It's a major feel. This is our golf yeah. tournament. This is our yeah. national open. We all know how crazy Canadian fans are in sports. This is our national open. It's going to feel like a major, and it's going to play like a major. Yeah, it's not going to score. It's not going to score like a major. I expect them to to climb into the twenties, uh, twenty under. But I'm looking at Roy McIlroy plus five hundred. We won't give him out as a best bet, but to to have the hat trick, three in a row. Wow. wow. He won in Hamilton in, in 2019. Um, I guess it was 2020. He won in Hamilton in 2021. It was canceled due to COVID. And then in 2020 last year, he won at St George's. He's looking to make it three in a row. I really like Rory at plus five hundred. I think. We saw last week his game is in a good place. He struggled on Sunday at a really tough Mirfield Village, but I think Roy McIlroy. I don't think we can look past him at this week. I think he's got a good chance at uh, at going three in a row here. Yeah, and I think with Rory, like he's playing such great golf, um, knows the course so well, and and I mean let's let's call a spade a spade. Like he's the best player in this field. Like we he's not dealing with Scheffler, he's not dealing with Ram. Like. Rory is the man to beat. Finau is not in this, and he would have been one to keep an eye on because he had an unbelievable showing as well. But I think a threat, obviously we touched on, on Rory, but a threat for me uh, to Rory is Sam Burns. Good two showings lately with a 16th and a tied for a 6th. I mean, golf's, golf's a touch game. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that everyone who's on a roll it stays on a roll, but... Sam Burns, I think he's been playing actually sneaky good golf. We've had him in in a couple of our uh, um, uh, best bets there. And I, man, I'm looking at him 26 years old. This is a guy that I think could keep up with Rory. And I think that's what you got to look at when you're looking at this. Can you see this guy getting out to a lead that, that Rory can't chase him down? Um, so that's who I'm looking at. I mean, do you have any dark horses that you're, you're saying might you might snipe here or throw a dart at? Yeah, a couple of mid-range guys here that I like are two Brits, two uh, two guys from England. I like Justin Rose and Tommy Fleetwood. Justin Rose last year, I think he shot seven under on Sunday to come runner-up at this tournament. Justin yeah. Rose is the guy. He's been playing very well. He's a very accurate guy. I like Justin Rose. And Tommy Fleetwood, a guy we've seen play well in the past. Um, he's looking for his first win on the PGA Tour. I like Tommy Fleetwood as well. So Justin Rose, he can get a plus 1,800, and, and Tommy Fleetwood a, a plus 2,500. Sahib Tagala is another guy at plus 3,000. He's the guy looking for his first win on the PGA Tour. We all know how electric Sahith is. So I do like Sahith, but, I mean, looking at the bombs, I mean, you mentioned Taylor Pendrith at plus 8,000 is, is a guy that, uh, you know, a Canadian that could definitely get in the mix. Uh, Lee Hodges has played fairly well as of late. He's plus 110,000. Um, but Here's I, I don't here, – Yeah, here's ahead. some names. This is last year's leaderboard here from the Canadian Open. I'm going to throw some names at you. You tell me if you, you like something for value or anything like that. We got Rory, obviously, at the top. Sam Burns came T4. He was outside those three that were in that mix right to the very end. 
Justin Rose right there, T4. Connor's okay. at Connor's at six. Wyndham okay. Clark, Kirk, Matthew Fitzpatrick came T10 last year. Okay. Shane Lowry. I mean, like, th- this was a tournament where, obviously, you remember the top names were all up there. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Connor's, hey, when you look back at it, man, I mean, a sixth-place finish. And how well he's playing. He does seem like he's got the most kind of – he's got the most game yeah. out of the Canadians yeah. right now. He's the best, I think, you know, head-to-head. And, and you can get Connors at plus 1,800. The pressure is going to mount, and he, he dealt with that pressure at the PGA Championship. So we'll see. Maybe he can transfer that over to the Canadian Open. I do like I do like Corey Connors at plus 1,800. But regardless, we'll have our picks out um, yeah. uh, tomorrow, and we'll have those up and ready to go. But RPC Canadian Open week, it's going to be massive. Justin, let's move into the NHL quarter to a long, winded golf section there. But we do have the Stanley Cup going on. It's the Stanley Cup final right now. We just finished two games in Las Vegas. Game one, a 5-2 win for the Vegas Golden Knights. Empty netter. I mean, it, it, it's, it just it seemed like Vegas had more step. They, man, they're just they're such a deadly team. And the D are just – they're so gritty. They're so big. They play so well. The Shea Theodore and Alex Petrangelo, you can't say enough yeah. about them. Yeah. And those those four lines that they roll, it's just – they're unbelievable, man. And they, they just had they seem like they've got a lot of chemistry. Game two was an absolute blowout, Justin. Seven <laughs> two. I mean, Bobrovsky gets pulled after four goals. And yeah, you know what? I revert back to thinking, you know, we talked about it. Is this big layoff going to affect him? It obviously affected Bobrovsky. He's not in the same rhythm. He's not feeling it. And if you're a team like Boston, a team like Toronto, a team like Carolina, you're looking at these games going. Why didn't we get that for Brovsky? <laughs> no, you're right. And that's that's what I was going to lead with is I was sitting here after game one thinking, okay, they had a big break. It was a 5-2 game. I, I want to say 5-2 flattered Vegas a little bit with the score in terms of how the game was uh, competed. Yeah. And it was a little bit closer than that. Um, I was thinking, hey, we had a lot of fights at the end. We had a lot of scrappy play towards the finish. Very clearly that Florida wasn't happy with the loss, but they wanted to make a statement for next game. I was thinking to myself, you know what? The rest versus rust factor came into play. Vegas got the win. I was thinking Bobrovsky's going to come out there, be back to his old self with obviously only the one-day regular break again. He kind of got his feet wet in game one, didn't get the win. And then I was also thinking, hey, like this Florida team's answered every time they've had to this playoffs. This isn't going to be any different. So I was kind of thinking Florida would be able to show a lot more than they did. But right from the get-go, like this wasn't close. Like, this this Vegas team with Marshall Show stepping up the way he is, it is massive. You got a goal in game one, three points in game two, and I I call that out because what happens when you when you're on a playoff run? You have your Eichels, your Mark Stone, your Petriangelo. Those are your stars. Those are your staples. The teams that go the deepest are the, are the teams that have I don't want to say depth. Marshall Show still top six for them, but outside your stu- superstars, you're having a guy step up. That is like in the Con Smythe race because he's playing that well above himself. He's not going to win Con Smythe. There's a pretty late surge in the second half of the playoffs, but like this guy right now is the opportunistic player for this Vegas team. That's kind of giving them that extra edge offensively. Like this is five goals and seven goals on a Florida team that their whole thing was, we got a stone cold goaltender right now and we, you guys can't score on us. It's it, it, that was kind of the their their equation, wasn't it? It was good hard hockey, north south hockey, but they had their just their Bobrovsky. If they got outplayed, didn't matter. Yeah. 
Yep. Now they get all played. It doesn't matter. They're putting pucks in the back of the net. They're finding ways to beat Bobrovsky, and and it just that 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 formula that's been just walking through teams in the Eastern Conference hasn't been the formula. I mean, obviously it's not over yet. The series isn't over until you until you lose at home. But it feels yeah, like far from over. Feels like Vegas is is well. They certainly have a stranglehold on this series, and it feels like I mean, you know, after watching those two games, it's like, how's Florida going to answer? I'll tell you right now. Where I stand is I think Florida wins both games in Florida. That's where I am coming into this. And I'll say for one reason, and people forget this, happens all the time, both sports, NBA and NHL. Um, after a blowout, it's it's not as easy to respond for the team that blew them out than it is for the team that got blown out. And they're going home. So now you have a Vegas team who swept at home, feeling really high about themselves, just hammered Florida, which, like I said it before, you hammer a team like this, you don't necessarily have that mindset or that focus or that thinking of, hey, these guys are going to come at the at us or they're going to give us something we can't handle. All that. Florida knows their back's up against the wall. They're playing more desperate. Hockey, that's a big factor. It's a lot of a, um intensity game. It's a lot of a outworking the opponent type of game. I absolutely think Florida wins at least one game. I, exp- I think game three here, and uh, this, sounds, this sounds chintzy, if, if Florida gets game three, I truly believe they are fully in this series as if it's a tied series. I really do. I think if they get game three, this series is turned on its head and momentum. Like, I think the momentum Florida could get just from winning the first game is a lot more substantial than any momentum Vegas has had so far. Because like you said, you're not out till you lose at home. So they are very much still in this playoffs. You don't just get to the finals out of luck. Like, this is a very, very good, good team. Good heads on their shoulders. They, I don't think this series is close to being over. It's must win. Do or die now because if they lose this next game, you know, their backs are against the wall. Being down 3 0. You got to win both at home, I think, uh, if you're Florida. Uh, yeah. but let's talk about that hit, man. I mean, first, yeah. let's talk about Barbashev. What an acquisition this guy was at yeah. the deadline. This yeah. guy is mean. He hits everything in his way, ran over uh, Gudis during that game, man. He's not an easy get- guy. Not an easy guy to run over. It's not. He's going to get a nice little payday, man, because this guy's been an excellent ex- acquisition for the for the Vegas Golden Knights, and I'm extremely impressed. I, I didn't know a lot about Barbashev, but, man, that guy can play. He plays a great brand of hockey. And Matthew Kachuk, you got to feel bad for Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel carelessly going out of his own zone up the middle of yeah. the ice with his head down, and he could say he toe-picked all he wanted. He saw Matthew Kachuk coming, and he just ate the hit. Like, he was like, uh-oh. <laughs> Go forward and Matthew Kachuk buried him. He was airborne. Like, this hit was, like, for real, man. Like, you watch the replay in slow motion. Jack Eichel at the point of contact had nothing on the ice. He was almost fully Superman forward. And just, I don't know how his shoulder didn't go through the other side of his body. This guy got murdered by an absolute (laughs) freight train. Kachuk. Kachuk was going in there to blow the guy up and... Jack Eichel served himself up on a platter to get just destroyed. <laughs> he got Matthew Kachuk. Literally, Matthew Kachuk. There was no contact to the head, and that helmet popped right off of Eichel, right yeah. off of him. I don't know what was- discs. I don't know what disc or anything he got in his neck fusion or whatever. They got to recheck it tonight. They have to. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so he got the wind knocked out him. He ended up leaving the game briefly, uh, but yeah, Jack Eichel took a massive hit. So we got. Vegas up 2-0, heading into Florida. Justin's not uh, not sold. This series is anywhere as close to over. I'm starting to lean like Vegas is going to clean this up. 
But we'll see. Hopefully, Bobrovsky can find his game. Hopefully, he can get things back on track. I think you go with Bobrovsky. I don't think you go Alex yeah. Lyon. Yeah, you I, go Bobrovsky. Uh, Maurice kind of said. Maurice was kind of hinting it was a little bit of a rest thing too that that influenced the pull. I mean, I think it's you you pull him to give your team a little bit of a, a um a bump and, and a little bit more motivation, a little wake up call. But uh, yeah, the rest is also a factor. So I think it, it made sense to pull. Him. I, I it's got to be Bobrovsky. It's got to be absolutely. All right. Well, just some other news outside of the Stanley Cup uh, final, Justin. It sounds like Mike Babcock. It will be re-entering the NHL. It sounds like Mike Babcock is going to be hired by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Very surprising, you know. Here, I mean, obviously, we know how it ended in Toronto. He got fired, and a lot of a lot of dark stories came out about Mike Babcock. A lot of the NHL world really talking about just trashing the guy. Obviously, we all know about the Mitch Marner story about him bringing Mitch into the room, asking about who he thought the worst players on the team were, things of that nature, and him sharing that information with the team. Very weird interaction with the coach player. And then you got the Johan Franzens of the world, Chris Chelios is of the world, Mike Medanos of the world, just rarely dragging Mike Babcock's name to the mud, but he'll be back in the NHL coaching the Columbus Blue Jackets. What do you think? How do you feel about this signing? I, I, I honestly don't mind it. Yeah. I mean, in terms of what he's produced, it's hard to argue. I mean, this guy was had the Detroit Red Wings, um, not only in the playoffs for the record amount, but also winning cups. So, I mean, it's hard to, hard to argue that you see a lot of, uh, the the other thing is like Babcock Babcock ate all that issues and all that trouble the old school coaching he's definitely not the the uh, only one doing it. and he probably wasn't the worst <laughs> that was in the league and doing things in the league um so it's obviously a situation where yeah it, it wasn't good um but how about Columbus Blue Jackets and and the coaching that they look to I mean they had Tortorello here within the last five years now they go to Babcock you have Johnny Goudreau who's played for Daryl Suter and now Babcock. We're, I mean, Wierenski on the blue lines played for Tortorello and Babcock. Like this guy is, these guys are living in just the most old school coaching uh, uh, environments you could, you could even uh, play for. I think, I mean, I, I think it's good though. This is a young team. Um, they're going to need discipline. They're going to need uh, a, a kind of a tougher voice. So I, yeah, I, I don't hate it in terms of what we're going to see from the Columbus blue, blue jackets next year in terms of on ice performance. Yeah, I think it's going to be good for the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think it's going to help their team. I do think that Mike Babcock is a good coach, and obviously we know you know, him firing it wasn't the prettiest of sights. But, I mean, you look at this team, they, they do have a lot of talent. This Ken Johnson kid is going to be phenomenal. Came from Michigan. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm interested to see how this Patrick Line character plays under a guy like Mike Babcock because we yeah, know that true. guy, is he takes nights off left, right, and <laughs> center. Johnny Goudreau, obviously, he loved Daryl Sutter. He, he's a guy who responds to those types yeah. of coaches. And they're also going to have a nice pick. They might get Adam Fantilli or this Leo Carlson in the top three. So it's going to be interesting to see what this team looks like. They just traded for Ivan Provorov from Philadelphia. Yeah. So he'll go in there. And Zach Rowenski, who missed almost the entire season last year. Who knows? I mean, they're going to be in a metropolitan division that really is up in the air. I mean, that division out of all of them just seems like, even the full Eastern Conference, I mean, it just seems like you can't, it's really going to be hard-pressed to pick the top four teams in each of those divisions next year. Yeah, I agree. And just touching on the Provorov, for, for people that, I mean, okay, so Flyers got a first and a second. Just to explain this, Florida, Philadelphia Flyers got a first and a second to retain a bunch of salary. This is a this is a Arizona Coyotes move for tanking. I don't necessarily think that uh, Philadelphia Flyers dominate this trade. Provorov is 26 years old. Six foot one, over two hundred pounds as a Good demon player. is one Good of the player. most yeah one of the most desired yeah. desired positions in 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 hockey. Out of 
all D-men that played just five minutes last year at all, he was top 15 in ice time. He played all 82 games. He was top uh, 15 in block shots, top 35 in expected goals against. Like, this is a very solid defenseman. He had 27 points. That's not his role. You have Johnny Goudreau. You have Line. You have Kent John. Like, he is not what you need for offense. Wierenski will play power play, etc. Like, this is a very great trade. And the Flyers retained his cap. Like, this is a Columbus team who just got all the things they just explained about Provorov for less than his cap of $6.2 or 7 So, like, I really like this trade for Columbus. I think that they are seeing themselves as a, a backdoor playoff team. And the only, you know what team this reminds me of a little bit is the New Jersey Devils. New Jersey Devils were putrid last year, weren't considered any playoff hunter at all. Make a couple offseason moves, get a little bit older, and and they make the they didn't just make the playoffs; they were second in their division. So, can I see Columbus Blue Jackets making the second wild card? Yeah, I think I can see it. I mean, they have a lot of talent. They had a lot of injuries. They were obviously tanking because they wanted to surround themselves with another pick when they saw was it going great. It would be tough. It's not going to be an easy route, but I could see it happening. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm with you there. Um, so just noted too that uh, Sean Walker. And, and Cal Peterson, those are two throwings. Those are two solid young guys uh, going back to Philadelphia. And with the Cal Peterson move, it sounds like Carter Hart is, might be on the move. So it sounds like Philadelphia is not done. It sounds like Carter Hart could be dealt in the coming days, if not they're tan- tonight. They're tanking. They are definitely Carter tanking. Hart is bought, is, Carter Hart is an elite goaltender. Uh, he's struggled in Philadelphia because the team's been that bad. Philadelphia Flyers with the fourth fewest goals for no goalie is going to put up phenomenal numbers in the win win loss column in, in in Philadelphia. Carter Hart, if you're a team contending, and I'm going to bring up my I'm a Buffalo Sabres fan. You need goaltending help. I would absolutely consider us a very very con- high contender to be a playoff team if we had Devin Levi and Carter Hart as a goaltending. So, I yeah, their Flyers are tanking and Carter Hart is too good to be on a team tanking. That's what this is going to come down to. Absolutely, yeah. You think about Buffalo, it's definitely going to be a team. Ottawa is another team yep. uh, that has a lot of assets to move out, so it's going to be interesting. Toronto, potentially. Uh, yeah. So we'll see We'll see what happens uh, with Carter Hart in the coming days. Uh, lots of NHL news, lots of PGA news. Let's, let's move into the halftime show, Justin. Two athletes, guess the athletes by their career accolades. And I'll start things off with you, Justin. Guess the athlete due to their career – Guess the athlete based on their career accolades. We've got a six foot two, two hundred pound NHL hockey player. He was okay. drafted. He was drafted in two thousand six. He's a two time Olympic gold medalist and a three time Stanley Cup champion. Two time Olympic gold medalist, so he has to be Canadian. Fire up. Um, six two two hundred three Stanley Cups. Drafted in 06, We said. Yeah. And he was a. Did you give me forward or D? He's a forward. Give me Jonathan Taze. Come on now. Come on now. I'm on the board with the one guesser. Go. Come on. Let's right. go. Come on, Jonathan Taze. Come on. All right. We got one for Greg here. Guess the athlete. We have a retired NBA player. Six foot five, 205. He's played 18 seasons. He was drafted in 96 round one, pick one. 
And he has two championships, no MVPs. Wow. First overall pick, six foot five, two championships. Hmm. Where where am I going with this? Who won two championships? He was he was pick five, correct myself. Nineteen ninety six, round one, pick five. Okay. Um two championships. Six foot five. Gosh. Um we'll go David Robinson. I need more. He played for four teams. His career stats were 18.9, 4.1, 3. 4. And he was a 10-time All-Star. Gosh, people are probably losing it right now. Um, two, I'm stuck on the two championships. Um, six foot five. Played. Um, go Ben Wallace. Not Ben Wallace. All right. He started with, just going to confirm what I have written though. He started with the Milwaukee Bucks and ended with the Miami Heat. And he's a shooting guard. Dwayne Wade. No, Dwayne Wade did not start with the Miami Heat. Sorry. Um, Richard Jefferson. Ray Allen. Two-time champ, Ray you Allen. Hate to, you hate to hear it. I was going with guys that are a little <laughs> bigger than six foot five. That's a good one. Fair, fair. Um, all right, we got a six foot four retired NFL quarterback. He was drafted in 2012. He's a four-time Pro Bowler. He was the NFL passing touchdown leader in 2014, and he has the most career passing yards by an NFL rookie. What year is he drafted again? 2012. Did you give me when he was drafted in that draft? You don't have to. I'm just curious. I, I'm, I'm going to refrain. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah. I, I, and he led the league in passing TDs two years into his career. Drafted in 2012. I'm going to take a shot. No, that seems not early enough. Jameis Winston? Not Jameis Winston. This guy is retired. Um, Correct. He, wow. This, retired. 2012. This, okay. This this player played for one team during his NFL career. 2012 already. Andrew Luck. Bang! Come on now. Bang! Short career. Let's go. Okay. I have a active NFL player. Six foot two, two thirty. He has zero championships. One MVP, two-time All-Pro, and he was drafted in the first round in 2018. Can I get position? Cannot get position. Okay. He has an MVP. Who was an MVP if not? Um, Cooper Cup? Nope. He didn't win. Did he win MVP or was he just Super Bowl MVP? Super Bowl MVP, yeah. Okay. He's played for one team in his career. And he has, I think it's five records NFL single season records. Aaron Donald? Nope. Last hint I'll give you is he is a QB. 
Wow. Um, one MVP, Six. two All Pros, one team. Six two two thirty from twenty eighteen's first round with five single season records. Active QB. I'm such an idiot. I'm not on my game today. Um, yes, though. The small guy, NFL MVP. No Super Bowls. I don't know why Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers are just stuck in my head with MVPs, but <laughs> give me who is an MVP. Um, gosh, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson with the final guess. Come on now, he's gosh, got that's... he's got single season records in QB rushing yards, QB rushing attempts, one thousand yard rushing seasons, uh, most games with perfect passer rating in the same season. And most games with 100-plus rushing yards by a QB at 12. So, Lamar Jackson. Gosh, that's that's tough. Um, good work there, though. Good work there. Three of four. Let's go. Um, let's move into the NBA. we got some NBA talk. It's the NBA Finals, and it's we got Denver and Miami, and it's been an exciting uh, final so far. Um, in game one, I think it went maybe not as, as I expected, but uh, Denver uh, with a 104-93 win. Really, I mean, Jokic with a double-double at half. This guy is a walking triple-double. It's unbelievable what this guy does. 27, Insane. 10, and 14. Jamal Murray backed that up with 26, 6, and 10. I mean, just had a great game. And it was really the struggle for the Miami Heat that we're having. I mean, Jimmy Butler only having 13. Um, and, and you look at, uh, you know, Kyle Lowry was, was hot at points for that team. I mean, their stars were not going in that game. I mean, you, you've got to hear in the outline, Justin. I mean, you've got Struis, Caleb Martin, Duncan Robertson, six points combined. It's just it's just not it's just not great. So uh game one obviously goes to Denver. Game two, a lot different though. Denver struggled at times. They kept the game close most of the game, uh, but just didn't really look like they uh they had it. And, and it was a nice response from from Gabe Vincent, who also had a great game yeah. one, and Bam out of bio, who had a great game one, and Butler all over 20 points. And and uh I mean they respond with a big win and uh, and they're heading home with a split series. Um how'd you feel about the first two games? I mean, it's outside I I think outside of the NHL it's been a little bit more compelling. Absolutely. And game 1 kind of went as expected. So something to note here, Nuggets are undefeated at home until we had that game 2 Miami Heat True. win. So for me, I was expecting that to continue. I didn't see Miami Heat being a threat. Obviously game 1 goes and Denver does exactly what's expected. Heat pulled that game to within 10 or 11 or 12 at the end, but that that game was a blowout. So the score kind of flattered the Heat there in that loss. But what I saw was, and I saw it talked about after, is too, that Heat were running that zone that they were so successful in. Jokic was picking it apart. Jokic was able to obviously play make and score at will to whatever that zone was giving him. Heat changed that. I saw uh, Kevin Love, a little bit more action on the defensive side of the ball. True. And and the Miami Heat kind of found an answer from the three-point line that I think was the biggest difference. Those three guys we mentioned, Strauss, Caleb Martin, Duncan Robinson, two for 16 in game one from three. Game two, I believe they were 10 for 19, which is a big factor because <clears throat> when you watch this Miami Heat team, they only look like they're going to win games when those three or four depth guys, if you add uh, Gabe Vincent in there, are splashing from three and they overwhelm you. They go on those runs from three and they make you feel like you can't do anything. But when those guys are missing so many shots from three and not are not helping Butler and Bam Adebayo out, out offensively, then the Denver Nuggets are just way too good of a team to even let you hang around. So this series depends on two things for me. The adjustments game, which it always is. Can Denver now adjust to what they've seen from the Heat? 
And two, can the Heat three-point shooting be consistent enough? Because if it's not, you're not going to walk away with some wins. I think the Heat were able to do that earlier. If they didn't have the best shooting performance, they could still kind of hang around, maybe get the win at the end. Those are the two factors for me. I, I expect game three in Miami to be a response from Denver. I'm kind of in the feeling, Greg. I could see this series literally going win-loss, 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 win-loss with just, hey, two great coaches. I think Spolster gets a lot of credit. Obviously, he's one more than Malone. I think Malone's a great coach. I think this is going to be a, just a back-and-forth adjustments game right now. I, I just, I, I, I'm just so fascinated by how Miami draws up just getting wide open threes. We've seen it series after Constantly. series. It's crazy how they draw up these plays and get wide open shots from right on the arc. But yeah, I, I think Denver responds. I don't think they had their greatest effort at home, which is surprising. Like you said, their first loss at home um, this playoffs. But uh, I'm still on Denver in a heavy, in, in a big way. I do think that they win this series. And uh, but you have to give it to Miami. I mean, they keep surprising people left, right, and center. You know, it would be tough for the plan for the fans of Florida to have a loss in the Stanley Cup and a uh, loss in the NBA Finals. But like the, it's like Philadelphia. The Phillies lose the World Series. The Eagles lose yeah. the Super Bowl. Now we might in Miami might have to go through the same thing. But yeah. where where would this? I mean, it's hard to just pick a ranking. Obviously, just off the top of your head, or even just a feel for it. Where would this rank for you for both Jimmy Butler, Spolstra, and just the Heat organization if they pull off this championship? Oh, it's it's big. It's big. It, it would be massive. Um, I mean, Jimmy, you'd have to give Jimmy a lot of credit. I mean, obviously, he's the captain of this yeah. basketball team. He, he He's the – he's the. Uh, I mean, and, and Spolstra, I mean, this guy, I mean, you know, his legacy might be a little tarnished with – not tarnished, but, you know, you'd have to give a lot of credit to LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and, 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 and you know, Shaq won that first championship with, yeah, uh, with, with Wade. Wade. So – um, but yeah, to win with this group would be just monumental for their legacies. Uh, and I mean, I, I mean, and regarding to rank, I mean, I don't know about like ranking them, but I yeah. mean, Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy, I mean, automatically into the top 10 players, Hall uh, of Fame, currently sure. playing Hall of Fame for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's incredible, but yeah, I, I he'd have to get it done, I think, to really get into the Hall of Fame conversation. But I think, too, what Jimmy Butler's doing is for a long time. This guy's name's been dragged in the mud, talking about how he's a horrible locker room guy, how he's hard to play yeah. with, how he draws all the attention. Doesn't seem like that's the case right now in Miami. So a lot of teams probably shaking their head for moving on from Jimmy Butler, too. I'm looking at the 76ers. Yeah, I agree. And the one guy that kind of I think about when I think of Jimmy Butler, if he if he wins this championship, is Dirk Nowitzki on a little bit of a less, lesser level just because he doesn't have that regular season MVP and he wasn't with one organization. But, like, this is the same thing, dude. Like, in terms of the path to the finals, the, I mean, you're talking about the Boston Celtics team that was absolutely loaded. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks in round one with Giannis, and now Denver Nuggets with Jokic. Like, it is one of the more impressive runs we've ever seen. Like, it, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it, it'd, it'd be impressive. But yeah, like you said, there's a very good chance they'll we see both Miami teams, or Florida teams, excuse me, with some heartbreak, which, uh, hey, we got a long way to go, though. Only two games down and no series has ever been crowned in the NHL or NBA after two games. So we'll have to see how this thing uh, uh, finishes off. And that's a fact. But just finally in the NBA, Justin, it never ceases to amaze me how LeBron James just stays in headlines regardless yeah. of where he's at. He's been eliminated. He got swept in the conference final. And 
Okay, so we'll talk about this. So obviously the retirement talks are going on. LeBron's being talked about. How the hell did somebody find out that Kyrie and LeBron are texting each other about meeting up, linking up in Dallas? Like, like who gets the who's privy to that information? I never get how these headlines develop, but it is a headline, and people are talking about a Kyrie trying to get LeBron James to come to Dallas. Absolutely obnoxious. But we're talking about LeBron James during the NBA Finals, which is not competing in. Yeah. No, and, and what I don't understand, so, I mean, I think LeBron is absolutely the one leaking that. I think he's got agents <laughs> and guys around him that are absolutely trying to keep that going. If he's not in the finals, he has to be in the news during the finals. So my question is this, and this could be way off, tampering and all this stuff going on, like, is it just not, is this exempted for the players? Because, I like, we're not even at free agency. We're not at any trade opening. Like, I just don't understand how this is something that's, like, it's like they, they bring it up in the news as if it's like it could happen tomorrow. It's like we're not even near any timeline of the NBA season where this can happen tomorrow. And we're talking about a mid-NBA final. So I I don't know. But again, I don't see it happening. I don't know. I don't think there's a world where Doncic and Kyrie and LeBron is I, – well, I don't know that Luka would even want that. Luka wants the ball in his hand. I don't even think he was that happy Kyrie was there. Uh, on this team, let alone now Kyrie and LeBron and Luca's got to kind of play like younger brother here. I, I don't think that's going to work out. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I I mean, it's Luca's team, like you said. I mean, like yeah. how's he how's he not in, involved in these conversations? But <laughs> it's it's funny how LeBron James stays at the top of our uh, at the top of our uh, kind of thoughts when we're talking about the NBA and, and loves to make headlines when he's not even relevant. Luca could be sitting there. I I wouldn't be shocked if this was happening. Luca could be sitting there right now laughing at this news saying funny how that's going on. Cause I'm actually getting Kyrie traded right now from the Mavs. So I'm not <laughs> really sure what he's up to. So I can absolutely see that happening. Absolutely. All right. Let's move into the final quarter here. Justin of episode 69, season three, daily intermission podcast. And we got Jacob deGrom. We're going to move into the MLB. Jacob deGrom, obviously we know he signs with the Texas Rangers, but he will be done for the, tw- the remainder of the 2023 season. He has yeah. had his second Tommy John surgery. I mean, this guy could have been one of the greats. Yeah. Could have been one of the great pitchers in the history of the game. And he's just been stunned with injuries. In a way, I mean, he's shown that he is one of the greats, but in terms of putting a career together, yeah, it's just blundered with injuries. It's insane. And I don't get it, Justin. And maybe you can explain this to me, but I look back and I look back at some of the greats, the the Doc Holidays, the Roger Clemens, the Pedro Martinez, and the Greg Maddox, the John Smoltz. And these guys all had multiple 10s, 15s, 20s, 50 complete games. These guys were pitching nine innings. These guys were pitching eight innings. And now with all of the science, all of the information that these teams gathered, and these guys are pitching four or five innings, the injuries are through the roof. It's yeah. the softest we've ever seen baseball. The injuries are crazy. It's like, why were these guys back in the day able to pitch so much? Fine. And now you got guys like Jake DeGrom, Jacob DeGrom going for a second to Tommy John. You're absolutely right. It's crazy because you think that it'd be going the other way. You think we'd be living in an era where DeGroms and Verlanders and everything could pitch full complete games all the time. We're going back the best to pitches, back. But we're going yeah, back to back. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Shohei's going back to back, both at the dish and, and the mound. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I wonder is it is it the junk they're throwing and how hard they're trying to throw it every night? Like, is that I don't even know if that's what it is. These guys I mean, no, these guys aren't throwing exponentially harder than they were back then. Yeah. It's cr- which is also a separate issue, but 
I don't know. You're right. I mean, you put all this money into a guy like Jacob DeGrom and you don't have the facilities to maintain his health. Like, like you said, like they were able to do beforehand. I have, there's really no, there's no way anyone could justify why that is how it's going right now. Cause there's no way that the, this is what should be going on. Um, you feel for him. You feel for the Texas Rangers who are having an unbelievable season. Now they lose him for the rest of it, but I just don't see a world where DeGrom's gonna gonna play a full season and take a team to the World Series. I I can't see it. It's uh it's tough to see. Um we'll move into the Toronto Blue Jays world because some yeah. massive news dropped today and we kind of foreshadowed this in the past. Alec Manoa's really been struggling. And yeah. uh he's been struggling so much that they have sent him down to rookie ball. Alec yeah. Manoa has been sent down to rookie ball to try to find his stuff. And I mean, for Blue Jays fans, this is really tough. This is the guy you sent out in the first game of the season. This is this is quote unquote your ace. And yep. now he's he's been so bad that you gotta send him down to rookie ball? It's like, insane. They didn't even send him down the road to Buffalo, the the triple A ball. They sent him all the way down, which hey, Florida. he gets to go to Florida, so hey, good for him, I guess. But maybe it's just a bona fide vacation. How, how do we know that they didn't just say to him, you know what, Alec, like beach. you're not gonna learn anything in, in rookie ball. Go take two weeks in, in at the beach in Florida and just come back to us better, hopefully. That could be what it is. I saw a video today. Uh just baseball, just baseball fans, something like that. Uh give them credit. They're great, great uh baseball feed on on TikTok. But um they're talking about Manoa and kind of talking about how he was a top three Cy Young vote. They're talking about his his weight, the pitch clock, leading to a big reason why he's walking a lot of people. So he was 260 all season last year. He's listed as 285 this year. Now with the pitch clock, they're talking on about his way to these, three bills. Yeah, and they're talking about how some of these bigger guys are struggling with the pitch clock because now you got to be moving a lot more, a lot faster. You got to be reloading. They're all about throwing their their heavy stuff and all that. And he's walking a bunch of guys with that speed and tempo, and they don't know how comfortable he is up there. And it's making him go to his fastball and slider, but in the zone, you got to cover the plate. If you're looking, if you're trying to avoid walks, you got to throw it over the middle of the plate, and that's hurting him. And his expected ERA is over six now, almost six and a half. Like, there's a couple things that they uh, I'm, we're seeing from Manoa that it, it's stuff that has to be fixed. Like, I don't know that it's a situation where he just has to go find his stuff. Like we were thinking, like maybe it's a little bit of like a rehab uh, conditioning kind of situation where. He's got to get just get in a different shape and get this pitch clock thing figured out for to be able to go the distance. He's going to fast down in Florida and he's <laughs> running on the beach yeah. four hours a day in the mornings and he's going to come back 240 yeah. pitching just pitching gas. Yeah, Can we'll you imagine he, he goes yeah. down for like a month and he comes back just shredded 220, <laughs> like just shredded 220, like a roll this yeah. Chapman just throwing absolute 105s down the plate. That'd be insane. <laughs> He goes there. He's just been training with UFC fighters. Yeah, <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, unreal. Um, yeah, let's talk. I mean, it, it's been a great year for pitchers. And I mean, obviously, Bassett's been pitching well for the Jays yeah. and, and Gosman. I mean, Gosman's been incredible. And, and he's certainly in the uh, in the AL Cy Young talks right now. Yeah. I mean, he's not right now going to catch Shane McClanahan, who's just had an incredible season nine and one right now for the, for the Tampa Bay Rays, a two ERA. Like that's just insane. But Gosman, I mean, a hundred strikeouts. I do believe that leads the AL. Like he's been playing well, man. And and I think, you know, he's certainly at 2.76 ERA. He's been a bright spot in that rotation. 
you paid him the money for that reason to, to come in and, and replace. Um, I always call uh, tight pants. R.A. Dickey. It's not R.A. Dickey. Tight pants. He's out for the year in Seattle. Um, but uh, he won the, the Cy Young with the Jays. And, and, and anyway, yeah. I, well, I can't think of his name right now. But anyway, um, <laughs> I always call him R.A. Dickey and it's not. It's anyway. Uh, but it, the, the, the Jays do have some, some bright spots in that rotation, thankfully, that because, uh, because I mean, obviously, we know uh, with Manoa not yeah. performing very well. But what have you seen from these top pitchers in the AL? Yeah, it's a it's it's a good group. Oh, obviously, we're talking about McClanahan on Rays, Sonny Gray on the Twins, and Gosman the Blue Jays. And it's funny to talk about Gosman here as number three. Like uh, a big selling point for him is how much he's pitched and how much the Jays relied on him. Which obviously, as Jays fans, we take a look at because of how bad Manoa is. Which, when you look at the overall layout of the team, if Manoa could have just been anything near his, himself from last year, we'd be looking at a top three Cy Young and a top 10 Cy Young, which would have this team probably up there in the division. But yeah, it's going to be, I don't, I, I agree with you. I don't know that it's a race that Gosman's going to chase him down. It's going to have to say, uh, he's going to, the McClanahan's going to have to come down, but he had such a good year last year. Even like this was something that he was due for. I could see this kind of being something that, um, it's kind of set, set already. And he's going to run away with this thing. This race team has shown no sign of a fluke of a start. Um, so 43 and 19. Yeah, it's it's amazing. If he say I I want that I want that team to stay healthy. I'm not a Rays fan, but I yeah. I want to see a team like this that's not a Yankees, a Dodgers, um, a Boston Red Sox all the time. And like they have those great those great moments for those teams to be great. But I kind of want to see something like this. I was hoping the Mariners were a team. Padres, like I love seeing these new faces, not just like make a playoff and 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 burn out. Like have an unbelievable season, like. That's what baseball has some critiques is like you could just buy your championships with obviously with their cap stuff to being different. I yeah. like to see a team like the Tampa Bay Rays be an absolute juggernaut. So I'm all about this team staying hot. No, absolutely. They've been fantastic. And and uh, the Jays right now remain three games back of the wild card, nine and a half games back of the Rays. So we'll keep a close eye on that. Uh, interesting news. Albert Pools was named to be a special assistant for the commissioner of the MLB. Um, I'm not really sure yeah. what that title entails, but obviously one of the greats of uh, in recent history in the MLB. So I don't think that that could be a bad decision. I think that that's going to be good for the game moving forward. And they've made a lot of changes. I mean, we look at the professional leagues and the Big Four. I'd say the MLB has made the most changes to their game in the past yeah. what four or five years, and I think these changes are helping out the game. Yeah, and I think the only thing to talk about Pujols is I hope that he's a voice for between me, the players, and the commission. Maybe a little bit more of a direct voice from the the players' PA to the commission. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't imagine having Pujols there is a is a bad thing. So, yeah, I mean, interested to see what he kind of takes over or not. No, absolutely. I, haven't time. heard of that position before in sports, to be honest with you. No, neither have I. I mean, um, <laughs> from a nice former player, player, especially. Yeah, it'd be nice if uh, we had a guy like, you know, we think about Jonathan Taves or step up yeah. and be Gary Bettman's right-hand man. You know, yeah, just, literally. just that connection, like you said, uh, to the commissioner. But, no, it's it's been fun. I mean, the MLB is, is alive and well. It's buzzing. I mean, we look at the divisions, man, and the Pittsburgh Pirates, the NL Central, having an incredible season. The Arizona Diamondbacks are leading the NL West. Like, these two teams, out of nowhere, and we talk about the teams that do all their heavy spending. I mean, you know, we look at the Mets in the East, like these teams that have just spent all of this money in the offseason and they're struggling out of the get-go. And you get these teams with payrolls of fractions of the amount and 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 they're balling. And, and I think that comes down to just, you know, having the team and, and, and you know, having that culture and, and having the guys just gel together, bringing it every night and you know, guys, guys stepping up, guys that may not be 
big yeah. names. It's just it's been unbelievable to watch you know the D backs and Empires especially just having great years. Yeah, it's it's I, I D backs is unbelievable to see. I, I've I've yet to been a baseball fan and see this team be competitive, and now they're winning a division that entails the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Diego Padres. Who I don't know these numbers are coming off the top of my head, but I gotta think they're spending four to five to ten times more than the D backs are spending, and I don't know that they can hang on. But we're now sitting here seventy games in, sixty games in, and we're they're number one still, and they kind of were throughout the whole time here. It's not like they just had a 15 and 0 run like it would be something to see a playoffs where you got the pirates and, and the d-backs as the division winners going in that i mean it'd be something to to see we have a conference finals of like rays d-backs and, and pirates all in the, i don't think that's happening but can you just what a spin it would have been from last year and i got three teams listed as just shockers that we had high expectations and we saw great things from last year is the cardinals the padres and the mariners they're not even. They're on the outside looking into the playoff race. Let alone who many people thought would be perennial divisional winners after what they showed last season. So exciting to see the MLB have this kind of turnover because it's kind of known as a league, like I said, with the juggernauts and the juggernauts. But we're kind of seeing that shift a little bit, and I, I like the competitive nature of the league right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's been fantastic. I mean, we look. The Padres are probably the biggest surprise. I mean, just spending money that we did not know that was unimaginable. And yeah. just bringing in guys, be like, how are they doing this? And and they're struggling. So you can't buy your team, and and uh, it's uh, it's exciting to watch, nevertheless. But Justin, it's been an absolute blast as always. Everybody, we apologize. We're going to move to one a week, so we'll be coming at you most. Yeah. Well, as I'm on the road, we're going to kind of do as we can. The content will be sporadic. It's just going to be it's going to be just you know another week of of just off and on, kind of uh, doing our thing. But we've got plenty of stuff coming. We've got some exciting Absolutely. news in the NFL fantasy yeah, realm, some major news. Yeah, we'll um, get to that later. I got yeah. one other thing to I just want to pitch in. Uh, uh, we mentioned on the chalkboard, Instagram. Uh, uh, follow us on the Instagram, the Daily Intermission Instagram. Get in the chalkboard, whatever you want. Sports are winding down. The finals are winding down. We want to get more connected with you listeners. We want to get more connected with you followers. Give us hypotheticals. Give us draft scenarios, trade scenarios. Give us uh, would-you-rathers. Give us topics to talk about. We're gonna do. We'll do a segment, maybe quarter four. We'll do. It's it's the mailbox the fans yeah. from the listeners, whatever it is. Yep. Give us the craziest things you want to talk about. Aaron Judge playing in in the Saudi soccer league. Whatever you want, we'll incorporate in some sort of way. Maybe we'll get right into those debates, what have you. Uh, but just give us any hypotheticals you have. Give us send us your fantasy trades. Send us whatever you guys want to do. We'll have a mailbag. And we're going to put no restrictions on this mailbag, I think, Greg. We're going to let quarter oh, four. Yeah. Quarter four is going to be a, a pretty interesting topic. From the bag. Don't yeah. hold back. Send it to the DM the Instagram or get in the chalkboard. And, uh, yeah, hey, nice talking to you again. And, and couple, let that road trip uh, enjoy yourself in Toronto there. Absolutely. Let's rock and roll.